Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the final episode of Raised by Wolves, the podcast season two. I am your host, Holly Fry, and I am so thankful to have been on this wild and thrilling ride as we pluck apart the threads that hold season two together and talk to the people who bring the drama of Kepler-22b to life. Let's dig into this season finale, which is called Happiness. Holy snake, baby. Okay, Campion's desire to memorialize Vril and hang on to a piece of her is honestly very touching. Campion, like everyone else, just seems to be surviving through one trauma after another. And you just know that he wanted that tracing of Vril's diary to be so much more meaningful than it was. And then to hear the phrase, why would you choose to love a machine coming from mother who he also loves has got to be so disheartening for Campion when he is already mourning. My heart kind of breaks. Grandmother and Marcus and mother together is a fascinating conversation because it's a really great example of how this is a story, of course, set far away in space and time, but it still all just boils down to the inherent struggle of being a human. What's your program? I am a shepherd. Ensuring the everlasting life of human beings is my priority. That's what they all say. You trust this believer? The entity betrayed him. He hates it. Our goals are in sync. Your mind has been damaged by traumatic events. You are vulnerable to the entity's signal. I've already been infected. It will always return to fertile ground. After what it did to Sue, I would never listen to it again. Marcus's willingness to be so frank about kind of being jerked around by something he believed in so deeply is probably a feeling a lot of people can identify with in some way or another, but I don't think most people would be so open about it. And then, when the offer of the veil comes to Mother, 
I completely believe that Mother is really eager to shut down her emotions for a bit, and who wouldn't want that sometimes? Relatable, especially when you consider that last episode she had to deal with this change in number seven and come to terms with the fact that the the child that she had given up on and then found redemption in is now once again something that has to be destroyed. And when grandmother calls existing without the emotion-blocking veil unpleasant but tolerable, well, I think we've all had those moments when considering our own human condition. Creature's milk must have altered his body chemistry somehow. Parents, permission to administer anesthesia and proceed with corrective surgery. Permission granted. Thank you, parent. Please step back. Corrective surgery in progress. It sure seems like Hunter, on the other hand, is all in on the idea of starting a family unit and being there with Tempest and the baby. I haven't really talked about Hunter a lot this season, but wow, has he had an intense degree of personal growth. He's still got plenty of that temper and impulsiveness that he had when we met him in season one, but never would I have anticipated that we would see this deep nurturing instinct come from him. Snake Baby still just wants his mom, y'all. It's good that Mother has the veil on because I imagine that would have been a rough battle otherwise. I have never been a fan of the entity, but this has made me officially hate it. <laughs> Whatever it is. I am, though, very into the Serpent Festival, even if it is celebrating the end of my precious Snake Baby. I just like a party and it looks like fun. I will destroy you. I will crush you into dust. I will bleed you into oblivion. I will... You're still very young for an android, honey. You're just a child, really. After the humans have gone into the water, the entity will return to its slumber. And then I promise to release you and help you to understand. No! I promise I will kill you. I will find you and I will destroy you. Let me out! Let me out! Begin simulation. Holy crap, that ending. <laughs> Apparently, the entity has been telling everyone that they're the chosen one. Uh, where did Marcus go? And the veil was a trap! Listen, Grandmama is a mean mistreater. That's what I know now. I really hope we get to see Mother kick her ass in the future. And how things start to go as Lamia becomes revered as a god and the residents of the quickly getting icy colony start turning into, I don't know, kind of gamer zombies. Whew, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. And I need something refreshing after all of that. And thankfully, I have just the thing. We have two guests this week. First up is the incomparable Amanda Collin, the woman who brings Mother to life, to share her thoughts on life on Kepler-22b, her character's journey this season, and yes, I'm going to talk to her about Snake Baby.
Amanda, first, thank you for being here. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm equally excited to talk to you. (laughs) I love it. Uh, I have to get this out of the way because I know everyone's thinking it. You have now joined the pantheon of great sci-fi android characters and a Ridley Scott android at that. Do you ever think about, particularly at this point, two seasons in, about Mother being a pop culture icon? Um, no. And if I do, I I try to forget it as quickly as possible. <laughs> I, I think that's the best way to go about it. <laughs> you have to, though, have those moments when you see people doing like a mother costume, think that is, uh, there's a new level here. But it never really, um, it never really reaches Denmark in some way. <laughs> All these like cool things that happens out in the real world never really hits Denmark. So that's sort of a brilliant little safety net you have set up. Yeah. I want to talk about mother's relationship with grandmother because that is a ride this season. Um, You know, grandmother starts out being this kind of suspicious entity, possibly a rival and then a collaborator. And then by the end of the season, we get to reveal that she is in fact a full on enemy. Um, What were your thoughts along the way as you discovered each of these stages of grandmother's story and having another powerful android in the mix with the family? Well, I think it's, um, it's always interesting when you're doing a show or a movie, how, so I, I always call it my system sort of attunes to the stories, feelings and, you know, my sensitivity taps into mother's storyline. And so uh, right from the beginning, I was like, who is this bitch? (laughs) 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 Who have you cast her yet? Who's going to play this evil, (laughs) evil other woman? Because obviously it's a booze. um, Yeah. Hidden lover for a while until we discover who she is luckily it was selena this gorgeous otherworldly superhuman of a creature so um so it wasn't i didn't have those feelings towards her in real life obviously (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's an interesting development in their relationship choosing to let go of your own instincts to trust someone who's supposedly brighter and wiser and older or younger. I don't know what to say in this case, but... (laughs) And then finding out that it wasn't so clever after all. Yeah, that turn is difficult. Um, (laughs) One of the really compelling things about Mother, and now having seen two seasons of your performance, is watching Mother have human emotions, but obviously she's still an android I will say I am obsessed with the concept of androids feeling shame. Um, But but also having this, in some ways, very reserved expression of emotions, but also sometimes just full out, you know, beyond anything a human would do. How difficult is it for you as an actor to play that edge and find that very narrow line where she is both android and experiencing very human things? I would never say it's difficult. It's more fun. So, um, because there is no right or wrong, right? We're creating as we go. So, um, I never have anxiety about, (laughs) about hitting something right. Uh, that being said, it's a lot of fun trying to manage the levels of Android 
versus human. And I think in season two, Mother is much more human, actually, in terms of how little emotion she shows. There are several moments this season that I really, really love watching Mother and Father discuss whether or not they've become too human to the degree that it's compromised their parenting abilities. But I'm curious what you think are each of their greatest strengths as a parent and which of them, if the kids could only go with one of them, would be the best choice. Well, for Mother, I think she really uh, she really believes in this mission that it's possible, that it's possible to create this new world without war. And some might say it's naive, but some could also just say that it's um, optimism. <laughs> this is her program. This is what she's programmed to believe. So she believes it very strongly. And she believes that uh, Cambion especially because he's her child and she has full control over him <laughs> um, and his upbringing, that he is, um, he's a special breed who's able to carry this mission to term or uh, how do you say, I don't know how to say it. But um, so I would think that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good trait in her, I would say. Um, that she doesn't believe it so much in her other children is a different chapter, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's only her own children, but that's also very normal, I think. Uh, and for father, it's also his optimism, but in a different way, right? He's he's so light, you know, the father jokes, but he's also, he's realistic. He looks at his environment and he accepts where he is and he looks at pros and cons and it's pretty good where we are right now. And I think that's a, he has a self-confidence in, in being a parent, which is really beautiful. I would go with father if I were the, if I were the kids. But, uh, <laughs> we have to talk about my favorite character, Snake Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Snake Baby, woo! I, I love number seven. I can't even describe exactly why, but- Are you is... into snakes? I mean, I'm not like, I'm not rabidly, I don't have any pet snakes, but I like animals in general and I find um, reptiles very fascinating and snakes are just, they're kind of elegant and beautiful, right? They need, right. they need no extraneous stuff. They're just a straight line <laughs> and they're kind of, right. kind of beautiful in their economy. And mother's relationship, of course, with number seven is such another roller coaster. You know, we go from seeing her being very resolute in her plan to destroy him to then realizing he is in fact a gentle creature. And then the heartbreak of having that that child that you're kind of reconciled with in that regard weaponized. I'm curious what your thoughts on Snake Baby are. What have they been as, as that relationship has developed? Well, first of all, snakes are probably the only animal that I'm scared of in real life. <laughs> So the ending of season one was like, oh, great. <laughs> What's this now? It wasn't hard to play that I had to kill it. But then Aaron reveals this whole plan about me being really connected to it. And I was like, oh, shit. How do I? <laughs> what? What is it about the snake? What do I need to learn in life? <laughs> Since this is uh, such a big thing. I don't know what to say. I mean, most of the time it was a tennis ball on a broomstick. So I can imagine... <laughs> You know, I can imagine yeah. whatever I want to. I wish I'd gotten my puppy that I have now before we played because then it would, I mean, 
When you have a puppy, you just know that you love them so much more than any child. And and you, I mean, the the level of of proud you feel when they poop outside <laughs> for the first time, it's just, yeah, unlike anything I've ever tried. So I would have used that for Snake Baby for sure. Um, the last thing I want to ask you, because this is such a big, expansive, just unreal and beautiful story, is that when you look back on this down the road, what are you going to remember as your favorite part, and what is your least favorite part about playing mother? My favorite part is probably that I've I've created her from the beginning, not me alone, of course, with all these incredible, amazing people around me, but. Um, essentially all her thoughts and everything, they woke up with me. And so um, to be able to spend that long, uh, that amount of time with a character like that is a, such, a, such a, a gift really to, to evolve with her in a way. So that's a lot of fun and something that I'm very grateful for. Let's see, what's the worst thing? Is this suit the worst thing, maybe? <laughs> I don't think you're going to be alone in that answer. <laughs> I mean, it's pros and cons, right? <laughs> um, Amanda, thank you for spending this time with me, but also just thank you for this really, really lovely performance and entertaining the heck out of so many of us for so so many wonderful moments. Well, thank you for watching. So excited to chat with you. about Kepler 22B. But wait, you get more. Uh, We couldn't have mother on without also hearing from father. So next up, I am talking to Abubakar Salim all about father's craft project and parenting and what I think is one of the most romantic things I've ever seen on television. Abu, you've probably been asked something like this before, but I have to ask you what it is like to become another fabulous, iconic android character in the Ridley Scott collection of androids. I mean, it's a privilege, isn't it? Like, it's like an honor, to be honest. I think I remember um, I remember actually watching Michael Fassbender's David just constantly and just obsessed with it and, you know, really kind of moved by his work and thinking oh my lord and actually you know even for this role and getting ready for this role as well like a lot of a lot of it was looking at Ridley's androids and and sort of also as I like I said before video games and it's sort of kind of weird to now think like oh yeah I'm, I'm one of Ridley's androids I'm one of I'm one of them I'm one of those white white bleeding things so it's it's like it's really cool I feel like our exploration of fuel blood has been like a gift to all of us who have been following that that android world for so long. I'm like, oh, now we know what it's called and there's a black market for it. And yeah. I heard from a little bird mm-hmm. that you were very excited when you found out that your character was going to get a little craft project this season in the form of grandmother. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. Like, it's <laughs> it was, you know what? It's, it's one of those things where I remember um, I've always wanted to play Dr. Victor Frankenstein. <gasps> 
and the creature. And what's so great, right, is the fact that I was able to kind of play a bit of the creature anyway in season one. You know, I'm this android, this humanoid being learning about what's going on and on this mission. But then to be able to sort of craft and create something and, and go into that kind of realm is, I mean, it's fascinating, right? And it's something that I just, oh man, it was it was so, so fun. Because again, I didn't even know what, what we were doing and how we were doing it and, you know, who it was and what this relationship was going to be, you know, like... David and the team literally and uh and Aaron as well they were all just like yep this is what's happening and uh it's gonna be great and I was like but yeah but what is happening <laughs> like it's like you know you, you can't just say yeah and you're gonna you know you, you have a personal project and you're making a, another android I'm like yeah but what does what does that mean like right like what's what and how and you know all these questions come up and it's just but it's it's so exciting it is like truly I, like I really enjoy Father's arc in this series, and, and and it's a really lovely exploration there in regards to his relationship, not only to you know grandmother, but also to mother and the children, and you know even with himself. So yeah, I love it. I love it. Did you get the scripts in order? Were you like the rest of us? Like, wait, there are berries growing off of it. <laughs> oh man, completely. Like the thing is, is like we we on set we're, we're reading these scripts and. Sometimes, like, you know, we've only got, like, one and two. And then we're like, okay, when is three and four going to come through? And then three and four come through, and we're all, like, dead silent for, like, the next sort of 20 minutes as we just eat these scripts up. And we're like, oh, my God, did you see that there's berries? That, and she and it grows off her? And you're like, this is, like, insane. So we're as big fans as anyone is in regards to this whole thing. As, you know, because, we're, again, we're learning as we're reading it and as we go along. Because, again, Aaron tells us nothing. So we have no <laughs> idea what we're playing for. You brought up the relationship between grandmother and father and, and you learning about it as it was playing out. They have some really interesting moments together, right? One mm. of them is this idea that grandmother kind of seems to think that maybe they should be a bonded pair. What were your thoughts when that idea first got introduced? Did you worry about the future of the family? A hundred percent. I mean, come on. It's like, this is so crazy. This is not this is not what father's normally used to, right? He's not used to the idea of someone coming up and be like, hey... Maybe we should bond together. You know, father's like, no, I'm ch- my heart's for mother. I've got to go for mother all the time. And then it, it was it was very surreal. And I think, you know, as I think as an actor, that is a really interesting, again, uh, sort of space to, to explore because there is a loyalty, this this almost undying loyalty to uh, um, to mother. But there is also a feeling of like, okay, um, I've got to also... <laughs> be myself and you know live myself and not be necessarily you know and, and enjoy what I want to do but then again that doesn't mean necessarily cheating on mother because we can we've all seen what mother can do so it's also being very careful of, <laughs> of what, the, what the repercussions of that are but I think also for father actually it is it's it's a fun it's a funny one because again I think he is in love with this project he's in love with this thing that he has been able to actually complete and do right for the first time you know even though the kids you know he's raising them slowly and surely but it still feels like there is a um it's it's an ongoing job whereas there's an actual being standing in front of him that he's created and he feels proud of so I think there was you know this kind of battle of emotions that father experienced for the first time when you know grandmother asks that kind of question following on that and you're kind of leading me perfectly to my next question there is this moment where you are speaking with grandmother that was so moving to me where you tell her that yes mother is absolutely an agent of chaos mess is in her wake 
but that you are devoted to her. And honestly, that was one of the most romantic moments I've ever seen on screen. Like, who doesn't want someone to see all of their faults and all of their mess and all of their flaws and still love them unconditionally? Like, that was incredible. Do you think about mother and father as couple goals or do you see them as the sum of their programming parts? Or is this a fear-based love? Because as you said, I mean, she will I was, destroy I was you. Gonna say, she will if end you. If you had seen season one, I mean, she kills me in episode one of season one. So it's like... The, and yet you are devoted to her. Hey, hey, you know... <laughs> keep a meme no not at all like uh no, the thing is i do feel like um i, I think it's an interesting one I, I i in the sense that i i think the relationship between both mother and father is so they explore it really well in this show in regards that it is very realistic these two supposing uh perfect beings right um crafted and having google in their heads essentially should of course be absolutely fine and dandy and go through everything like it's a walk in the park but there is obviously difficulties and and struggles and i think that that's what makes the dynamic between um, mother and father um quite um fascinating i have to say there is a um a level of honesty that comes from mother and father which I actually do respect and I do like, you know, when they don't feel good for, with one another. Well, um, I remember moments where um, when Mother, in, in season one, actually, when she tells me, for example, that uh, she was, you know, she met with Campion Sturges in her in her imagination, right? And, or not in the imagination, in the, in, in the sort of uh, cool, crazy world that Aaron obviously put these two in. And father feels hurt by it. And he says it. He says that he feels hurt. And I think actually that's, a, a you know, people need to do that a lot more, you know. They need to kind of, when they feel hurt, when they feel like, you know, there is an issue, they need to kind of raise it there and then. And in a in a, in a cool manner. Um, you know, opposite to when, as I say, mother killed me in the first episode when she told me to stop speaking and just threw me onto a spike. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's funny. Again, it's it, there are moments where, you're, you know, you think absolutely this is how couples should be, you know. Um, but at the same time, there are moments where you're like, this is not the way to go. Listen, no relationship is perfect. Right? Exactly. Not even with two androids. So when we end this season, right, there are a lot of sort of terrifying question marks sitting there. Uh, I am wondering what your personal hopes and caveat to anyone listening Abu does not know what's coming next. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, but I want to know what your personal hopes for father and mother and the family would be. Part of me is is almost um, wanting that fairy tale fantasy. They all lived happily ever after ending kind of vibe. And I think there is room and space for that. I think the, the actions that these characters are taking are leading them to be better people. And I think that's um, something that I'm hoping we explore more and and see more. But of course, that journey doesn't have to be perfect. It can always, you know, through its ups and downs, right? And yeah, I just, I just have no idea. I think what what I really do enjoy, and it's funny from season one to now season two, that feeling of actually letting go and not knowing what you know Aaron has planned because he has a plan and like he's so sure of it there is you you almost have to let go of what you think might happen or what you want to happen in order to really enjoy the ride that Aaron's taking you on and it's a brilliant ride like it's truly incredible and I think 
You know, I'm I'm constantly battling with Abu, the sort of massive fan of Raised by Wolves and sci-fi sort of culture, <laughs> and Abu, the actor, having to take everything seriously and realize what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm constantly battling yeah. with that. But that's such a beautiful place to be in because that excitement for this whole thing is is real, you know? My last question is a little bit heady, but, you know, when you're 97 and you're looking back on your life, Mm. what are you going to remember as your favorite and least favorite part of this entire ride of being father? Okay, I think the favorite part is the um, amount of dad jokes that sort of I'm beginning to (laughs) jest and learn. Um, I'd say the worst thing is definitely wearing that suit. Oh, my God. Um because it's not just the suit, right? I think it's also the the training that you have to do to kind of look decent in that thing, the, the food that you have to eat um, in order to kind of still look decent in that thing. And <laughs> peeing, man, is like a mission in itself. You need like three people to pee. Like, it's like right. insane. So it's just, um, so there is many elements of that suit that I'm just like, I was really hoping actually it got burnt on the way as we flew, you know, flew through the, the, the middle of the... <laughs> And I was like, I literally was, there was a moment I remember, <laughs> I remember going, I think it was Luke who was directing the last episode of, of one. I remember going up to him and saying, hey man, wouldn't it be really cool if we just landed here naked? And he kind of looked at me like, what? <laughs> I was like, just imagine like, you know, our suits burn in the ship and like we land here naked like Adam and Eve. And lo and behold, that didn't happen. Our suits are completely fine, which is ridiculous. But hey-ho. Abu, you are such a delight. I would talk to you about this show forever. Thank you. But I have to let you go and live your life, unfortunately. And hopefully eat <laughs> eat something now that the season is done that's it's not <laughs> necessarily... Like, have a donut and some lasagna, if you wish. Whatever oh, you, you desire. Oh, you know it. You know it. Um, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you. I am so, so thankful to Amanda and Abu for talking with me, as well as for bringing these incredible characters to life. What a delight to see. And I want to make sure that I once again thank all of the wonderful guests that we've had this season, as well as my stellar producer, Jeff Heimbuck, who is truly the real hero behind the scenes and one of my favorite collaborators of all time. And of course, I want to give an extra thanks as well to our executive producer, the marvelous Ethan Fixell, and the utterly delightful James Foster, who makes sure we have everything we need to get this show done. I am so grateful to get to work on this podcast. And of course, thanks to you, the listeners. I hope that you have enjoyed coming along on this season even half as much as I have enjoyed working on it. Raised by Wolves, the podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio. It's hosted and written by me, Holly Fry. The podcast is produced and edited by Jeff Heimbuck and executive produced by Ethan Fixell, with additional assistance from James Foster. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Raised by Wolves, the podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. You now have all of the episodes to go back and enjoy. 